Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown. Daniel Rattledge and Dave Forrester with you to look back over the action in the British Basketball League uh, this week. Let's go back to uh, Wednesday night, and, uh, well, we're starting with the closest uh, game of the week, uh, which was the Plymouth City Patriots 93, the Manchester Giants 99. That was uh, in overtime, and, and the Patriots really jumped out early in this game. They got 11-2 start, and... Uh, Kofi Joseph showed what his evening was going to be about by getting five of them and, and they really took it to Manchester. Yeah, Manchester, I, I was watching the first half and just thinking about the amount of times we've been in Plymouth and exactly the same thing has happened. You've got a long trip, you get there, it's an unusual gym, unusual sight lines. And in Manchester, you've got a lot of new guys who haven't played much, who haven't played much in the BBL and haven't played much in Plymouth. I could see, and they didn't make a shot in the first half, and Plymouth jumped on them. Um, to be fair, it was, it was um, intriguing because LVC two shows with Albania, mm. so that in effect the point guard was Kofi Josephs. PJ mm. put the ball in Kofi Josephs' hands, and then um, that basically allowed him to be involved in every play and to initiate, and also to get downhill out of the screen and roll early. And Manchester again, Kofi Josephs' second game basically, so no one's ready for him. Um, Manchester certainly weren't ready for him. So, um, you know, Plymouth was scrappy. They had a crowd behind them. Manchester were a little bit off. Just, it doesn't take much. They didn't make a three for a long time. I think Mike Knight eventually made one in the corner. And um, Plymouth got out early, but then Plymouth went into that kind of second quarter funk when they couldn't score. Yeah. They led by 11, and then Manchester had a 14-2 run, as you uh, touched on there, to tie the game at at 34 points apiece. And then you start to wonder, you know, have, have Plymouth got anything in yeah. response to that, having had that early lead and, and now it's gone against them for a few minutes? Yeah, and you did. And expecting Manchester kind of put their foot on the pedal. But Manchester also hampered by the fact, it's always this thing, if you've got a lot of players, if it's all going well, it's great. Because mm. you rotate them in, everybody's happy, everybody's high five, and they're all fresh and they're all playing well. But if, the, if your first five kind of doesn't put it together, then you're relying on your bench to come in and try and put it together. And then you're mixing and matching and looking for a group which works. And some guys can be out of rhythm and some guys can be um, ineffective. And, and by the time you've kind of figured it out, you're halfway through the fourth quarter and you're down 10, you know? Mm -hmm. So that can be a difficult thing when you're on the road and when um, you've got lots of players. So... I thought Manchester they wanted to kind of fight the way back, but they came back in with their defence. And then the second half again, again, it was very much Kofi was being allowed yeah. to get whatever shot he wanted. And it was almost like they couldn't believe he was making them. Um, uh, rather, and it took them until he scored about 36 before they started actually throwing extra bodies out, yeah. which was probably 15 too late. Well, he had seven in a 10-3 run early in the uh, third quarter, which put them up uh, 10. And they were still up 10 with eight minutes to play in the in the ball game and full disclosure on this i was driving back uh home because i'd done a um a euro uh, euro cup game i think it was on wednesday and uh, was in complete standstill traffic all right because, uh, because of a car accident for about half an hour so i'd put this game on uh, uh on on my laptop while it was going and then obviously we started going, but it was hooked up to the, um, oh, it might've been on my phone and it was hooked up to the Bluetooth. So I listened to the commentary in the, in the fourth quarter without being able to see the pictures. And, uh, and to be fair, 
uh, to Pablo. He shouted out the score often enough that I was able to follow where it was in the game. But but interestingly, listening to it, there was a lot of talk about how nervous all the fans were yeah. in the building, which made me give the sense that maybe Pablo and Paul were quite nervous as as well as the lead was getting smaller and smaller down the stretch. Yeah, well, you know, as I say, with Manchester, it can take you a while before you, you figure out who's who's going to finish the game for you and who's the group that you really want. Um, Plymouth were very much in, you know, um, Kofi got his points in this game, but at one point I think he had, you know, be, before overtime, he had something like, you know, 40 and seven. Mm. And he created 60, he had 60 or scored or created 60 of their 80 odd points, mm. um, which, you know, which tends to mean that there's not many other people Everybody's waiting for him to make a play, basically. Yeah. And so they didn't get as much out of some of the other guys um, down the stretch. And it was down the stretch, which was when Manchester um, started basically paying attention to the fact that this guy was about to drop 50 on them. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, decided, and decided that they were going to pack the lane a little bit more so he couldn't slice through off the screen and roll. And they were going to chase him round on, on the catch as well and try and take away the three-point shot. And then Plymouth's offense kind of just deteriorated a little bit, as I say, because there wasn't a natural, it wasn't like LVC was there to direct it. Uh, and it was very much relying on Kofi making plays, which he made, he made a hell of a lot of, to be fair. And it nearly got them home. Mm. It nearly well, got them home. Uh, a three from Ubiaria made it 76-70 with four and a half to play. But then Giants got the next seven points to take the lead with 128 to the, to go. Uh, Kofi then hits another three, 79. Yeah, three wing, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's incredible, shot. incredible shot, really, uh, to, to, to go up two. And then Clark misses a three. They get the rebound. Uh, uh, a couple of fouls, and there was an advance the ball as well. Yeah. And 10 seconds to go, you've got the guy you want on the line with two free throws to essentially win the game. Yeah, you're up two, and uh, you know it's the first, you know, first shot he didn't make all night. Basically, it seemed like I think he was fourteen or eighteen or something like that. He, um, it was the only free throw he missed. He yeah. was eleven of twelve from the free throw line. And um, so then you're up three, and then you've got the. Um, I think you made the second one, didn't you? Which gave Jack Manchester the chance to call a timeout. Yes. And um, obviously, it's the other way around. It's a bit different. Um, he makes the second one, Manchester call a timeout, and then you've got the, the, the what do you do? Mm. The European thing, what do you do? You're up three with 10 seconds to go. Do you roll the dice or do you put them on the line? And they chose to play defence, and I thought they played good defence for the first eight seconds of those uh, of those 10.8, but then uh, Hart, just, he was right up on Dan Clark as if Dan had no dribble, but he did have a dribble, yeah. and he just took a little sideways dribble and got him... Decent look. Firstly, um, nice patience from Manchester. Manchester, right, that was a play for Dan Clark. Yeah. The only guy who was shooting that ball was Dan Clark, and I know that because when Will Saunders came off the screen, he was open. Yeah. And Will Saunders came off the screen on the wing, and he was open to shoot it. <laughs> and then my eyes popped out of my head when he didn't shoot it, to be honest. But the reason he didn't was Dan Clark was popping out. But Joe Hart read that, and, um, you know, and why does he say he was up with him out of dribble? That's fine because they've got to make a three. So you're literally trying to get him off. The only thing he did was he took one step too high because Dan Clark is always going to shoot off his left-hand dribble. Mm. He's always going to shoot the left-hand step back because he's a big, a big fella. So a right-hand dribble takes the ball out in front of him. And then he's got to pull it back and show 
but left hand dribble, he can put it in his pocket by his side, little sidestep and shoot it. Um, I've always been on the fence about fouling or not fouling. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really an absolute, um, utterly undecided, situational thing. Um, I've general, generally moved towards the, the position of not, not fouling because if you foul, you have to try how they foul. Mm. And not to foul the wrong way, not to not yeah, to yeah. not to get in on sports. I think, I think you also I have think, to then deal with the fact that. I think it was sorry one time tried to do that at home against Leicester with about four seconds to go, and Kuznod went like that and got yeah. three free throws. Three free, obviously you got three free three free throw foul, and then you've got the, the risk of an offensive rebound off the missed foul shot and kicked out for a three, which means you could lose the game. So. You know, I think as the skill, as the kind of the, the, the talent level of players goes up, the more sense it makes to foul. So the more chance you've got somebody, you know, pulling a three-point shot out of the backside, the more chance there is of fouling, mm. the more, more point there is to fouling. And obviously you're looking at Dan Clark mm. on that, you know. So, so you Manchester, you've got Will Saunders and Dan Clark, and you maybe that will be an argument towards but fouling. Clark had missed on the previous play. Well, yeah, but that's all the more reason why you're doing. I'm shooting another one. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I will, you know, no is the answer. Um, so I think in a, in a perfect world, what Joe Hart would have done would have been a run out there and slap Dan Clark on the arm yeah, um, with the ball at his hip. But then, as you say, Dan Clark might have gone up there and thrown it up. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that Plymouth didn't do anything to disrupt the play. Um, you know, it was you know, Armstrong wasn't trying to make a play. You're defending the three point line, so you should be pressuring them. You're not worried about if Armstrong runs past you for a two. Mm. So you got to get if you get right up to him, you can take something away. Instead, Armstrong was in passing mode. So this came across off the screen, uh, and then Clark popped out, and Plymouth were kind of very reactive instead of um, causing Manchester to do something different. Um, but Clark made a hell of a shot. Um, ultimately. I think if there was any game, if you look at the whole circumstances of the game, you look at Plymouth who are down on bodies, they've got foul trouble as well. Um, and they're playing against a Manchester team which is up on bodies and which is coming back at them. I think that's probably the game you'd want to avoid overtime in. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't want to give up overtime. You wouldn't want to give up that three in overtime because it was it was always going to be very difficult for winning overtime. But I'm not going to slate the coach for not fouling because it's always result orientated. If yeah, the it, it, it bounces off the front of the rim, it, it doesn't go in. Um, I think in those, it's, it's just a balance. And in that, in that circumstance, I don't think you know, overtime's a disaster for Plymouth, to be honest. After all the effort they've put in, because it's like having the kind of the the golden whatever it was, Jason and the golden the golden fleece or whatever, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. in your hands. It's there, and suddenly they grab it away from you. There's a Greek. I'm not very up on Greek mythology, but there will be a Greek mythology myth which has something to do with having something snatched away from you at the last minute. Yeah. Sure don't let Dan Clark hit a three. Don't let Dan um, Clark hit three. Right. So, so in overtime, you do get the sense like that must be it. Surely Plymouth have got nothing left uh, having, as you talked about, the, the the lack of bodies, the minutes that they were piling up. But but to be fair, it was pretty close in the extra period. It, it wasn't really until Anderson hits that three in the corner with about 30 seconds to go that that, that it went away from Plymouth. Yeah, that was a tough shot. But man, I thought Manchester's shots got incrementally easier in all the time. I thought Plymouth's yeah. shots were incrementally more difficult. 
and you just kind of hope it's that situation where you think, you know, can overtime not be three minutes or two yeah. minutes or whatever? You know, because the longer the game went on, the more it favoured Manchester. And, and it's a game of numbers ultimately and the game of percentages. And, and Manchester just Manchester got away with one. Mm. You know, that, that that's a, a kind of a, a relatively young BBL team if you take away Jamal Anderson. And basically, the rest of them, um, you know, Jack Hudson's played a little bit. Um, Will Saunders really doesn't have much in the BBL. Dan Clark's got nothing in the BBL. Um, you know, and that's about it, really. So, so none of them are really knowing. Josh Steele a little bit in the BBL, but, and Jordan Whelan a little bit in the BBL. Um, Jordan Whelan came in early, actually, in this game, played well, um, got going to the rim. But um, none of them really kind of been in the in the thick of that, that, that travel. You know, Dan Clark won't have had much like that Wednesday night trip down the M6 to, to play on the... Uh, a hard floor in a theatre, yeah. um, with you know, with a lion or a fox, whatever, running around. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, different. Yeah. It's different, and they got they got punched in the face by it, and they just managed to survive. Shout for Kofi Joseph. You have to give him a shout. It's just an incredible performance, just to drop forty six on them. However, the defense is being played. You know, Kofi can shoot. There's a lot of things he can shoot, and his athleticism is sufficient whereby he can also slash. Um, his issue with Kofi's always been his. It's basically his mindset in relation to his commitment to it because he's so talented. He's a talented artist. He's got all the things on the go. Um, and, and his kind of focus on it from a game-to-game basis. But on, on a one-off game, um, he can, um, you know, he can light it up. And he was, he was great in this game. He was, as you say, 40, uh, 46 points off 26 shots is quite impressive. Um, Ubiaro, 11 and 5. I saw a... a an x-ray, which I think was his hand, it's certainly the implication was his hand, that showed a broken bone in it. Um, well, he wasn't playing tonight, so that's why he wasn't playing. Yeah, so I, so I think he did that because his hand was taped up in the game. So I think he, he managed 11 and 5 with a broken hand, which is quite impressive. Yeah. Plymouth need that like a hole in the head as well. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, Armstrong, uh, 28 and 5 um, for them. They, uh, another game where they had six guys with with nine points or, or more. They, they've got so many people who can put the ball in the basket Uh, let's get to the european game on wednesday night and the towers uh, the towers the lions even (laughs) were flashback 20 years uh (laughs) hedlum was great great, yeah yeah uh played in germany where they were playing uh uh, Beirut, and they lost uh 97 78 so they finished second in the group because they uh both teams finished five and one and they lost out on their Head-to-head, having only won by 10 at home and losing by 19 on the road. Um, Bastian Doroth, who, um, I, if I remember rightly, he was out when they played was, the, yeah, I didn't recognize the, him. the first game. Um, and, uh, well, they certainly, <laughs> he certainly showed lines what, what they were missing in the first um, game because uh, he was knocking down shots early on as they got on top. Yeah, I mean, London gave up 58 points in the first half of this game. No, you can't do that in a European basketball game. You must have done a lot of European games, but I'm guessing there's not many teams come back from giving up 58 points no, in the first half. No. Um, and the reason that they gave up 58 points in the first half was because they played defence the same way they played against Katfenberg. Mm. And Katfenberg are not Beirut. Um, you know, Beirut are just a, a far, far better team. Mm. And... Um, Whilst they could play that way against Katfenberg and give up the shots, he gave up to Katfenberg and still be tied at half time and ready to flick a switch. Um, they really couldn't do that against this German team because they, they were the German team were ready for them. And um, a couple of interesting, I mean, personnel things interesting. Kelly started the game, he never came back off the bench after the second half. So I think there's, there's a, I'm not sure what's going on with him. There's 
obviously some concerns about either is the, the way that he is committing himself to games or his defence or whatever. There might be an injury thing. I'll pick it up in the okay. Surrey game. Okay. Fair enough. That might be it then. But they, without Kelly, um, they really don't have much physical um, or length in the back line. You know, Tawaya the, 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 played a little bit, but he's not going to be playing big minutes in Europe. Or he's not going to be successful if he's playing big minutes in Europe. He can come in and be a spot player, I think. Um, but then that leaves him with kind of Jordan Williams and, and Washburn. Will Neighbours not getting off the bench at the moment in Europe. So they're playing very small and the Germans got what they wanted. Mm. They got open threes and they came down and knocked them down and they were remorseless and they were ruthless yeah. and they were knocking the shots down. They were all good shots. They were shots off the catch. But the thing that kind of told it for me was that, you know, Vince obviously had to pop at them at halftime because... Um, the first four defensive possessions of the second half were utterly different. You know, suddenly they're up and then they're up in their face, they're forcing a turnover, they're clapping their hands, Reese is up there, they're all into it. And, and you know, you saw the difference in intensity just in those four plays. This is what we could have done. Well, they can't do that because at the moment, because they're playing games three games a week and they're in a rhythm, and the Americans probably don't know the difference between the games. Mm. You know, there's a difference between Katzenberg and Beirut. Now, to the guys on the, t- on the on the Lions bench, well, there's no difference at all. These are just European teams. We're going to fly abroad and um, we beat them all already so we can beat them again. Yeah. Um, and that's something they're going to have to be wary of moving forward. They're going to have to have the appropriate fear of the opposing team. I think the I think the the best stat I can give you to show you the difference between the um, first half and the second half defensively is the first half uh, Beirut were 12 for 23 from three point line, and in the second half they were four from 10. Yeah, so they, so they got 23 looks, you know. And I tell you now, I watched that game, I watched the game whilst I was watching Plymouth as well. Um, I don't remember him shooting many bad shots, mm. in fact, any bad shots in the first half. Now, you can't be giving up 12, 12 threes to anybody in half a game, half a basketball, you can't be giving up 58 points. And you can pick up the energy, but if you pick up the energy, and all that does is reduces the deficit from 17 points to 12 points within like five minutes of the third quarter beginning, then you're burnt out. You know, you're still 12 points down. That's your run. They're going to come straight. A good team's going to come straight back at you. So yeah. ultimately, the lesson in this game is London cannot spot good teams um, in their own gym, open shots, and they're going to have to have a slightly different level of defensive energy. And Justin didn't play in this game, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, and they kind of London kind of got into a running game with them near the end, so it was small be small. But um, they were never, you know, even the 10 point thing, it never looked like they were going to get within no, 10. No, never no, second it. half, they never looked like they were going to get it back to, to single figures. Um, Doroth with six of 10 from the three point line for 22 points. Uh, Anim had five of eight from three point range. For 21 points, they had six guys in in double figures. Dirk was the one who, who kept them ticking over, really, as the, particularly in the first half. He had 30, shot seven of nine from from behind. Dirk was, in, Dirk was playing incredible basketball. I mean, let's be honest. If it wasn't for him in this basketball game, it would have been ugly by the half, mm. um, because he, he was he's ever standing in the corner. He's coming off curls. He's attacking. He is just a, as bona fide a scorer as we've seen a long time in this in our league. Um, it's very rare. It's a long time since we've had kind of a wing who's been in the ring for an MVP. Mm. If you think about it, you know, there's not that many. And he's a, he is a wing. He's, I mean, he plays a little bit of two, a little bit of three, but basically he's a wing player. Normally it's a point guard. 
um, or maybe the maybe the fourth. But um, you know, he's right in the middle of our of the MVP running in our league. The way he's playing at the moment, difficult to know how he could play better. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's really good. Um, so uh, I got the groups right. Yeah, you did. Me last week. Uh, so Lions are in the group with uh, Bark and Bears, who who Leicester played a couple of years ago in the BCL qualifiers. Um, Saratov of Russia, not quite deepest darkest, but southwestest. Uh, and then our our, our our friends from from Turkey, and and mm-hmm. I, I was disappointed to learn uh, when Niall texted me, Niall Gray texted me to say Plymouth are playing on the same night that uh, that um, that Lions are at home to Basha so there'll All be right. no there'll be no irate uh, form. Uh, it'd be like a, a, a convoy of truck drivers down the <laughs> one in Newcastle slowing the traffic down, going up from Plymouth to, to London to wave the flags to complain about the um, demolition of their basketball club. Yeah, yeah. It would be, I mean, maybe three or four. Yeah. <laughs> maybe with a comedy fox at the front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so let's uh... documentary that is. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the BBL action on Friday night, and we'll start with uh, another very close Sky TV game. Uh, Glasgow Rocks. Oh, pick them. Well, it's not like they didn't have overtime last week. Yeah, um, Glasgow Rocks 99, Bristol Flyers 78. Um, well, this was for a quarter pretty close. And and actually, in the beginning, there was a, a sort of shades of, of last week with Delpesh in, in, uh, going to work inside and they looked like they were going to dominate the points in the paint in the way uh, that they did uh, in the cup meeting. But but they sort of fell away, really. Some interest, there was some interesting, kind of, you know, both coaches beforehand talked on your interview of adjustments, everybody likes to say adjustments, it's a great basketball word, because mm-hmm. basically you have to do them, because otherwise you're doing exactly the same, and exactly the same isn't a good idea, so everybody has adjustments. Um, Glasgow's adjustment, the first position they came out in a zone, and then after that, they decided they were almost going to trap the screen and roll. Um, it was a very, very hard hedge, which meant that three times the point guard threw the ball to Del Pesh, um, with Del Pesh's man standing at the top of the key, and one of the little like, Glasgow forwards, normally Green, having a shuttle across to defend it. And three times Del Pesh scored, and the third one was an and one. Mm. So as adjustments go, you know, the, the you know the idea oh, we'll make the guards give the ball up and throw it to the big. That really didn't accomplish much other than get Del Pesh going. Um, and I think going forward a little bit, defending Bristol, I think they're a team whereby you want them to be making the decisions to beat you. You don't want to be giving to be forcing them to do a certain thing. Because I'm not sure about the decision making of their of their guards. Evans, I think, is more of a scorer, uh, Miller more of a slasher. And what happened the way that Glasgow started defending them in the game was Glasgow said, told, told them, right, you're gonna have to throw it to the big guy. And they threw it to the big guy three times and the big guy scored. Um, so they made the decision for them. Um Glasgow. Um, they're still running through their, their lineups a little bit. They're still trying to integrate Green a little bit and, and figure out exactly what. Made a few is. shots early on in this game. He's a shooter. He's clearly yeah, yeah. a shooter, you know, and I think he's clearly a serviceable BBL player, but he's still only three games in, you know, so that's that's early. And they played the whole game without um, without Gareth as well. Um, but I didn't think even early, you're looking at Bristol. And you think these some of these guys are going to have to step up and play some D because ultimately Glasgow are very good in their gym 
they're getting the shots that they want. They're getting open jump shots and getting the ball inside the Ali Fraser. It's a fairly simple bit. It's a very simple um, kind of plan, as it were. You know, Ali is their, their go-to guy. If they need a bucket, they throw the ball down there, they work off him. But otherwise, they're surrounding him with shooters. And I didn't see in that game any, uh, Bristol really take much away from, from Glasgow. I'm not sure what they had decided they were going to do different. They took Johnson away a little bit in the first half, but I thought Johnson kind of took himself away. And I don't yeah. think Johnson looked fully healthy, and I noticed he wasn't playing tonight. Yeah. Um, but um, the fact that you know Glasgow could still score with the ease that they scored without Johnson being impactful, I think was troubling for Bristol. He was still finding people. He just wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't quite at that full tilt, and he wasn't looking well, for his own shot. Yeah, I think he was being passive um, a little bit. I was a little bit surprised as to why he seemed to be playing within himself. Um, but they were still able to move the basketball. You know, they've got an energetic guard in Harris, and Gareth's very comfortable playing. You know Johnny Bunyan and Fraser Markham now, so they kind of got a, a bit of depth to them, which also helps them. Mm. Um, but the fact that Bristol were kind of making tougher shots than, than Glasgow were, I thought throughout the game, you know, that's not easily quantifiable. You can't say it, but it's just an impression you get as the game is going on. Mm. Um, that Glasgow, Glasgow also do well, very well in transition. I thought they got out and started running a little bit in the game as well, which helped them. Um, cheap points really matter. But yeah, and then, then when we come to the third quarter, they kind of put their foot down, didn't they? Yeah. Fraser really uh, took over the game, I thought, at that point. He, he, he was really good, uh, Ali. Yeah, well, I mean, the advantage Glasgow have with Ali Fraser is that he's a high percentage scorer and he gets the ball in the same position, regular positions every single time. He shot 11-13 in this game. And anytime anybody on your team shoots 11-13, then you've got a good shot of winning, you know, 23 points on 13 shots. And when you add in the fact that Jack Donnelly also gave them 13 points inside in 16 minutes, yeah. and that those two combined for 17 of 23 shooting, um, you know, that's uh, that's tough. Now, in the last game, Bristol dominated them inside. So I think words had obviously been hard in relation to the way that those two had to play. And they came out and they, and they demonstrated it. And in response to that, the Bristol big guys probably weren't quite as impactful. Del Pesh, 8 of 15. Um, Simmons, four of nine, but the, the, their shots just came a little bit more difficult, particularly when you think that Del Pesh made the first three or four he made. So after that, he's probably like three of 12 or something yeah. like that. And then they didn't quite have enough. She had to have an issue with their, their point guard play. I'm not sure that uh, the ball gets a bit sticky with Evans. As the, you know, and then they struggled around. From memory, they struggled around the beginning of the second quarter as well when Joseph came in the game, when the backup came in the game. So, um, you know, they're going to have to find a way of keeping things flowing, I think, because when they move the ball, they look good. When they attack, they look good. But when it gets dribble, 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 a bit, the ball gets a bit sticky, a bit one-out stuff, then I don't think that's the way they need to play at all. No. Uh, Fraser, you mentioned his numbers. Johnson, 16 points and uh, 12, 12 assists. Uh, Jack Domney, 13. I mean, they had a bunch of guys in, in double figures. Again, it always helps when he spreads the scoring. You talked about the bigs, the guards as well. Um, uh, five of 12 Jacobs, uh, five of 13 Evans, five of 15 Miller. That's a lot of shots for 15 makes between the three of them. Other shots, yeah. yeah. 
15 or 43, you know, it's not really going to get it done. And given that the other guys who shoot the majority of the shots um, need a little bit better in the way of production, I mean, that's pretty self-evident. You know, it's pretty easy thing to say, look at the stats, you can see these guys have to yeah. shoot. But it's about the quality of the shots that they're getting. And particularly Evans had some like late shot clock situations where he had to take a dribble and, and he's shooting off. The, and he's a kind of a tough shot maker. Evans, he can make tough shots, so he's not scared of them. But that's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. It also means you're willing to shoot them. And, and in reality, you prefer he didn't have to shoot them. You prefer he yeah. shot the ones you're going to make. Right. So let's move down to Leicester, where it finished Leicester Riders 94, Cheshire Phoenix 72 in another do over from uh, from last week. Larry Larry Austin Jr. making his debut for um, Cheshire, and also um, Noah Dickinson into the starting lineup. It's only the second start he's had for for them, and the last one was on the fifteenth of o October. Bradley had started uh, ten games before the first Leicester game that he he didn't play in. So um, a, ch a change in the lineup with 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 a bigger lineup of Dickinson and Ocherobia out there. Yeah, surprised at that, I'll be honest. But I understand why they, had, they felt they had to do something. Um, their, their game plan seemed to be to clog up the middle um, to, to stop any easy baskets, easy penetration. And both, you know, Dickerson and Otter will be able to take up a lot of space in there. So that's kind of the, the, the plan. The downside to that, and there's always a downside. There's always an upside, there's always a downside. He's got to balance the two. Downside to that was they also take up a lot of space at the other end. So you've got to get good shots as well whilst you're, you're clogging the pin at one end. And they struggled early in relation to that. Teddy made a tough three, Ben Mockford made a very tough three. And then Ben Mockford kind of drove into the midst of about eight people that managed to get one to go off the rim. But that was the only time um, they scored, I think, in the first four or five minutes. And and they looked, looked just a little bit out of sync. But I understand, you know, you've got that size, you want to put it on the court. Um, it was interesting that, you know, Dickerson hadn't finished the game last week. I mean, he'd been scoring at will, but he did start this game. So, you know, he must have had a good week of practice, I can only assume. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, so, yeah, so they, they've got a lot of, they, are, they, they came across in this game as a team with a lot of moving parts. Um, Leicester came across as probably a team without enough moving parts, to be honest, because, um, you know, missing Nelson Henry, um, we've talked about it before, it kind of sends a shiver all the way down the spine of their, their team because it means that everybody else has to do slightly different roles and, and not exactly what um, Rob brought them in for. And the one thing that Rob's very diligent about every year you see in his teams is that their players are brought in with a specific skill set and a specific role in mind. And yeah, you work it out over the first few weeks as to who's going to start and who's not going to start. Um, but basically, they're all there to kind of counterbalance each other. And the situation with that is when, when one part comes out, and Nelson Henry is probably is a very, very big part, very, very efficient scorer, a little bit like Ali Fraser. Mm. Easy to play with, you know, doesn't take bad shots. When he falls out, there's a knock-on effect. And the knock-on effect is that uh, Walker plays more. So Walker didn't come out until like the two-minute mark in the first quarter. And I can't remember him playing many eight-minute stretches no. for less since he's right. come back. And his his effectiveness, he, he doesn't look in the best, I don't say the, say the best of shape is probably wrong. He doesn't look fully healthy to me. Um, he's certainly not playing in the manner in which we've seen him play before. And um, he's not getting the ball thrown to him as much as a result. Um, so that then skews their team as well. And then the fact that Cheshire played Leicester physical early um, meant that um, Gino got a bit aerated. You know, and it's, you know, he's the head of the ship, but he's the head of the end snake. So you've got to try and chop that head off. 
but he got himself, uh, I say air eight, he got a daft technical, got a bit frustrated. And through the whole time, Cheshire are hanging around, Leicester are kind of playing with them, what seemed to be like, why? how are these guys hanging around? Because we're getting every shot we want. We're getting wide open threes. Mark Loving had three wide open threes in the first six minutes, missed them all, but we know what that means. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, they were hanging around and Chester and Leicester's frustrations were kind of building. Um, Adekoya's playing well. And it played well for Leicester again as, as kind of the backup five. Um, but overall, it was just kind of a two and fro game. Yeah. Just struggling a bit with their lineups as well because they've got a, a surfeit of big guys. They've got like four big guys and Josh McSwiggan, and Josh McSwiggan's probably a stretch four. Mm. You know, so that's five guys to play two spots. Um, and Bradley Hardy got off the bench in this game. I know he'd been ill. Um, and Bacardi obviously got off the bench a little bit, but didn't stay around for long, you know. Um, so let's because there wasn't really much in the first half. So so let's go. Nick's finished the first half well, started the third quarter well, got into a, an eight point lead, and you could feel watching. I was watching this back uh, uh, on on the way back from Glasgow, and you could you could it felt a little tetchy. Um, yeah. And and the funny thing was, we turned it on at the end of our game because obviously me and Ro just watched the end of the show but we put that game on because it was close and there was something going on and we were never quite sure what what just happened there why is everybody wandering about in the middle of the court sort of thing yeah yeah. Uh, but there was obviously an incident that uh that the that the key motion cameras didn't didn't pick up that led to a second technical and and therefore a disqualification for the car something on the way out because there was People I rate all over the place. Yeah, there was all sorts of stuff going on. I mean, basically, you know, Radvan Bakar is a big guy, and I think he'd already picked up a technical at some yeah. point. I may be on sports, I'm not it, sure. It was a few minutes earlier. A few minutes earlier, yeah. So, um, and, and, and he's a big guy, but he's also a guy who's had his minutes cut quite significantly recently. You know, they've, they've got this lockdown of big guys. And when he was playing well, they won a couple of games and they played well with him. And now he's only playing five, six, seven minutes. So he's coming in to make an impact in the game. He's not coming in to beat people up or anything like that because. I've yet to ever be in a game where a coach has said, go out there and, and knock him down. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen like that. They, the big guys are expected to set screens. If people are running, you know, that's a problem. Um, the last enforcer we had in this league, can you think Can you think who it is? I'm hoping you're not going to say Hillroy Thomas here. No, no, I'll, I'll go a little bit after that. Okay. Uh, latter-day, latter-day young blood. Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rob Youngblood. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he was a guy who, you know, was, he didn't go in there to knock you over, but if he knocked you over, he wasn't worried about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, but, but because he was a vet, he knew how to handle it. He knew how to do it. He knew how to do it the right way, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, but since then, you know, you know, Bacardi doesn't want to go in there and knock people out and get himself thrown out of the game. Bacardi wants to play. You know, he's a player. He wants to play. He wants to show he's valuable to the team. So from what I could see on, on, on the screen, he sets a screen on, on Crandall, which may, I didn't, you can't see on the screen whether it was overly tough or whatever, but it was called an offensive foul. Um, Crandall's been edgy the whole game anyway. Um, so it looks like there's a bit of language between them, the suggestion that Crandall might have grabbed Bacali's ankle, but Bacali's then you know, basically got up and into it and said something back. Refs have called a technical. Bacali's then lost it. Mackenzie's then come to defend his teammate, which is good, and kind of stand there and give him a bit back. Um, and refs call another technical, but the problem is they can only call one technical because he's already had one. So anything he does after that, he's already disqualified, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which I didn't know, but I've done some research. Thank you to my researcher um, who texted me today to tell me. 
Um, so that's why they only shot one foul shot. He did actually get two, two technicals, yeah, but yeah, they referred yeah. to rescind one because he'd already been disqualified, okay. which creates the lovely so it thought. Doesn't of, go, it doesn't go onto the bench then? No, it doesn't go on the bench because he's not allowed on the bench. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So if a guy fouls out and gets a technical, that goes onto the bench. Yeah, right? but once you're disqualified, you can't sit on the bench anymore. So yeah, yeah. there's a wholly false, um, in real life, feel that that you know you become a non-person once you're disqualified yeah, yeah, which yeah. means that you know you, you think about this you, you want you do anything you want but you can only be disciplined for that in relation to future games yeah, yeah. right um so you can do everything you want but it might be the end of your career um <laughs> you know you could you could do a um a london leopards and the pick up the, the gala to vote and pick up a bit of stick and a bit a big stick and run around the court trying to hit people over the head with it long time ago um i think um, but the name that is etched in all our memories, yeah, yeah. Um, the Carlo Devo. Um, but yeah, so so he had to go, and obviously the, the problem with having to go at Cheshire at Leicester is that you got to walk straight past the Leicester bench as well, and um, you know, and and it's um, and so there's a bit of a, I say not say aggro, but there's a bit of ill, Ill feeling, um, and the problem for Cheshire was that they um, they. I think it, I don't think it changed Cheshire much, but I think it, it lit a little bit of a fire under Leicester. Um, and not necessarily a fire that they weren't trying beforehand. I just think a, a fire in relation to their focus on the game. Because what then happened was Cheshire played two and a half minutes of abominable basketball. Um, and the game was done. And it started with Josh McSwiggan fouling um, Loving about eight feet outside the three-point line with 0. 0.4 seconds on the clock. It's incredibly bad foul. Just gave them three points before the end of the quarter. The first play, the third, first play of the fourth quarter, um, Gino runs the same play that they ran last week, and then he runs it. Off, Connor comes off a double screen yeah. from from the baseline. Teddy goes over the screen, trying to well, you know. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't even just that he missed him. He yeah. was halfway round, and then he went. Oh no, he's gone. And then he was trying to recover. Gino and Connor's wide open and Connor nails a three. The next player, Gino gets the basketball and, and, and gets into his little pocket on the right hand side and, and flings it across his shoulder. Mark Loving is wide open for a three. And, and I think they gave up four threes in a row. And those threes were coming because they'd had them the whole game. And while um, Cheshire um, had made some tough shots, Leicester had missed some open shots. It was just a matter of time when the floodgates cracked. Now, the only way the floodgates weren't going to crack and open was if Cheshire were in Leicester's heads to the point whereby Leicester lost their composure. And that's the thing with Crandall. That's the biggest, that's the most, kind of the most interesting subplot of the whole top of the league season at the moment is um, in relation to Gino, because he's the only kind of main player in the league. I say main player, main protagonist in one of those top teams who has been here before but isn't fully formed. So we all know enough about him to be able to assess him, but he's not like a Fletcher or a Robinson who's been here six or seven years and we've kind of, we know what they are, but we, you know, we see bits and bobs, but we've seen it all before. And he's not like one of those rookie guards like Anderson or, or um, John Snake, Glasgow or people like that who were all kind of waiting to see what they are. With Gino, we've got an idea what he is and he's got that second season thing and he's the MVP. So how is his head going to, handle all the extra stuff that comes with that and it's not easy it's not as easy as it sounds because players expect the respect of that and they don't always get the respect from the refs that they want and you get everybody else now is lining up to stop you and people are, now if you're talking you're not just the new guy in town you're the guy who's you won last year so people are going to talk back 
and he's going to have to come to terms with that. And I think he did in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I don't, I don't have any problems with the fact that I'm sure he will, but it's just a little bit different. It's just watching it happen um, in real time is really intriguing to me. Um, but um, Cheshire gave, Cheshire's game plan was to give up open threes, yeah. almost. And Leicester's, that's never, never going to beat Leicester. No, Leicester's first seven scores of the fourth quarter were all three-pointers. Washington two, Crandall one, Loving four. Um, but uh, by the time Leicester scored their first two-point basket of the game, they were 20 points up, 85 here's, of the fourth quarter, 85-60. And here's the thing, the, the two guys on the Leicester team, right, that you, that you circle not to allow open threes are Washington and Loving. They are, you know, they are, my, they are my first two names on my scouting report, which is Loving is there to stretch the floor for Crandall, give Crandall space to work. He is kind of a, he's Dan Clark in a different body, in a spindlier, smaller body. That's what he is. And you cannot, and if you stand there and let him line up and line up open threes, he's eventually going to make them. And Connor is Connor. We've talked about Connor multiple times before. And that's not easy to stop. You can't stop them the whole game, but they can't be getting six open looks. In the, in the fourth quarter of a close game, and, and, you, and you can't expect that to happen. So um, I think Leicester did. I think Leicester really did well to maintain the composure in the fourth quarter and make plays. I think Cheshire kind of decom um, self self destructed a little bit, but their defense the whole game wasn't particularly good. And you know this idea of you know Crandall, Crandall in the game really didn't get to the rim, and Cheshire were blocking that off. They had the big guys in the game. They were really packing the paint. And I don't know if that's the way to go. I think I prefer to give up, you know, tougher shots to Gino in the rear, in the lane, and I would give up open threes to Mark Loving and um, Patrick Whelan on kickouts. Mm. So we'll see how teams start defending them differently. But um, that was a, it was good to have a bit of fire in the game, yeah, wasn't it? Did, yeah. uh, no harm. An ejection's always always fun. So Loving ended up with 32 points, 6 of 10 from three-point range, 10 of 11 from the free-throw line. Uh, Washington had uh, 4 of 8 threes for 14 points. Crandall, 11 and 9 assists. They were 14 of 35, Leicester, from behind the arc. Cheshire, 6 of 19, which given the fireworks of last week and, and Ben Mockford. Uh, Teddy was 17, 12 and 7. Let's yeah, Leicester, I mean, just, just on that, I think um, Leicester's perimeter defence was much better than it was the week before. You know, they really got in the face of the shooters. They, they, you know, Mockford made some tough shots, but they were tough shots. Um, even at times, um, McKenzie was driven past a couple of times in the second quarter, but it was because he was up there playing defence and he was relying on the help behind him, which wasn't there. And you could see a real emphasis in Leicester's game plan, which was, we're not going to stand there and let these guys shoot threes on us. And I thought that was probably a game plan that should have gone the other way as well so let's move on to saturday sorry scorches 72 london lines 85 jules dang Kodo, uh now a scorcher uh dirk williams with nine early points and uh, hard to believe this but scorchers were down early on here they were they were they <laughs> they got behind early in the game they never led I think it's the phrase. I mean, it's beginning to it's beginning to actually haunt me. Uh, you know, it's the team that always seems at like the behind. Um, yeah, wow. Um, Scott just struggling. Davis not there. He's a big player for them um, in that gym in particular. Um, obviously, Gilchrist Lawrence not there. Um, so they're down. You know, not to the they're down to the bones, if not the bare bones. Um, and. London cruising, and they are cruising. You know, they're, they're playing at a certain speed, the same way. And 
and they're really playing through Jordan Williams a lot. Um, Kelly again started this game and didn't didn't play much after the first so quarter. I'll get to that in one second. Yeah. First of all, just um, the the one thing we should know early in the in the or middle of the first quarter, uh, Teo Ogundengbe's first basket of the game took him to five thousand yeah, league points. He's the twentieth player in league history to get there, and he, he's right behind Nate Reinking now. He might have even overtaken him. I can't. Remember. So how many how many current players are at that? Is there anybody? I've got. Oh, I think he's the only one. I think he's the only current player over five thousand. I will check it. Uh, oh, Defoe must be, yes, surely. Yes, guessing he is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But he's played a few, he didn't score much in his first few years. Yeah, but yeah. I can't think of anybody else who might be. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's a hell of an achievement. You know, it's a hell, uh, um, he played a lot of games, Teo. He doesn't miss many games. You know, he looks after his body. He must look after his body because he's, you know, every, you know, he's he's there every day. You don't see, he's like, it's almost like LeBron of the BBL. Yeah. You know, he keeps playing games and that, you have to do that to get to 5,000 points. It's not something to be kind of sneered at, you know. Five thousand points in any league yeah. is impressive, and it, and you know we're talking some legends of the game when you once you get to get that five six thousand yeah. number. Yeah. So, um, Tenno run around the break. Lions get out to a thirteen point uh, lead, twenty to thirty three. To be honest with you, it kind of stayed there for the rest of the. Yeah, just on this though, I, I, there was there was a little kind of um, vignette in this game, which just. Talk everything that you want to know. Um, I think sorry got it at one point in that little point about the beginning of the second quarter. They got it back down to six, and they um and and London had to call a timeout and they had a couple of energy players off it, and then they came back the next two times down and they gave up. I think a I can't remember the first. It was a dunk to somebody, and then missed a shot, and then Reese the next time down on the left wing, dribbled the basketball down the court, and sorry, didn't have anybody guarding him. They literally had nobody in his side of the court, and he stepped up, knocked down the three. The six-point game, the energy, the adrenaline, it became an 11-point game, and the game, and it was, you know, and it was a bad shot at the other end, and that's sorry. That is their problem. They cannot string five defensive possessions together. They can score enough. Um, but they cannot string five defensive possessions together, and when they get a couple, you know, it's, you know, it, it leads a, t a team that's playing against them to be comfortable that you're, comp you're in control of the game because you know you can get the shots you want when you need them. And it happened a couple of other times as well in, in the fourth, it happened in the fourth quarter as well once. So, um, Kelly, uh, he, yeah. he had a dunk just before a timeout, a sorry timeout. It was early in the second quarter uh, and he didn't return. And, and shout out Hoops and Hockey um, YouTube with their exclusive uh, GoPro footage. Check it out. All right, we'll do. Your YouTube stuff. Um, but Niall basically sent me a, a little clip because what had happened was as um, Kelly comes off, he was just like, like he'd hurt his shoulder. He was sort of right. grabbing at it or touching at it or something, which then uh, he never came back after that. But the fact that it was just like you, you watch the dunk in real time, you would never know he, he did anything. It was only because so he's he was walking off and... So, so whether that going back to the Wednesday game we were talking earlier, whether that was an issue ongoing, and he's just yeah. tweaked it, and that's why he's not come back in. Sounds like what football managers would call a niggle. Yes, yes, niggle. Not good if you're a seven foot fly who can whose job is to stretch your arms a long way, play yeah. three games a week, and stretch your arms a long way before the hoop before throwing a basketball down violently. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, that it can be interesting to see what they do if they, you know, now they're in the second um, limb of Europe. Are they going to pick up another big body? You know, one is, one understands that finances aren't an issue, so um, you know they might they might need one. I'm, I'm not sure that um, what they've got now is sustainable. I like playing small. I've always liked playing small, but playing small forty minutes against good bigs is is different. Just to you know to to play small twenty minutes against BBL reserves, you know. So um so yeah, no help. I mean, basically, nothing much happened in this game after that. It was the most sort of like bouncing along at sort of around ten. Because Surrey couldn't, uh, Surrey can't string together the stops that they need, and they played hard, and and they they made enough shots. Macklemore made some tough shots, you know, and they kept kind of knocking around that kind of seven, eight, nine, ten point margin, but at no point did um even when you know Vince threw Wilbur Neighbor out there. You know, and you think, oh, well, they've got Will's not played in about four weeks, so they've got a real chance of making a run here. You know, they, they didn't make enough smart plays in a row to do it, and they're a bit down on body, so you know, they do need Davis back. So I'll give them a little bit for that, but and they only gave up 83 points, which is better, you know, 85, 85 which is better defensively. Uh, and sorry, I, go I just want to pick up on that, but first of all, Hamrick 17, Jameson 14, and 17 rebounds. Yes, Jameson's a, Jameson is a unit, yeah. Yeah, I saw him in the flesh. He is a real unit and kind of a blue-collar, hard-working player. Not a great fit with Robertson. And what you see is Creon kind of brings him in and out and is, is kind of swapping him a lot. Yeah. But, you know, um, but... Um, the, thing I wanted, yeah. the thing I wanted to get into is on the London stats, uh, Jordan Williams, 21 points, 9 of 12, 10 and 6. Close yeah. to another triple-double. Dirk, 20 and 7. We've already talked about how great he is. Yeah. Reese, 24, 7 and 6. Um so that is uh, 65 out of 85 points. So everybody else got 20 points. But the minutes is an interesting one because we look at London, we say they've got all these players and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dirk Williams, 36 minutes, 18 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Reese, 36 minutes, 16 seconds. Jordan yeah. Williams, 37 minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Williams thing is because Kelly was hurt. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that uh, must be the case. Um, Will Neighbour only nine minutes. Well, Will Neighbour's not playing Darius much. Though. Fifteen minutes. Jordan Spencer wasn't there. I don't know yeah. if he's hurt. Wash Ward Hibbert's hurt. Yeah. Um, Spencer and, did his ankle in the TV game the other yeah. week. But, and Justin, even the guys who were there didn't really play. Lockhart played no. a minute and a half. Cugini didn't shoot the ball very well, but yeah, he got kind of benched didn't he, in the second half. Cugini, yeah. he never came back. And yeah, I mean. You, the, the load level, I suppose, will only work out down the line, won't we? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's certainly not optimal for, for, for Jordan Williams, who played 37 and a half minutes right. in a game like that, even in a game whereby he can, you know, he's, he's able to, to play quite comfortably at that the standard and score the ball and get into a good rhythm. But, you know, they're going to have the, what they're going to have a European game, the two legged semi final against Leicester, then they're going to be, you know, flying off to Russia and then they're going to be, um, Playing through Christmas and then playing up in Newcastle in the trophy in the first round early into January. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. They're an extremely deep team, but they're not that deep, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of an illusion, um, the depth at times, because the level of the, the guy that they've got, the level of players that they've got aren't easily replicated. So it'll be interesting to see if he works Will Neighbour because Will Neighbour is kind of the fourth big, which they really could use. Yeah, but Mintz hasn't shown any trust in him so far at all. Um, and it was in the, this was probably the first game that he'd been allowed to play through his mistakes. I thought. 
up until then. It's, it's game of the season. Will Neymar's been in for 35 seconds and taken out again. Yeah. You know, and, and in European games as well. So, so we'll see. You know, it's a nice problem to have, though, isn't it? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, they never, they never look like losing the game. Um, you know, what we're picking, I think. It's like, like I'm picking no, with less, less than one by 20. Yeah. You know? It's just mm. interesting that we, we talk about, and actually, isn't the point of having the likes of Neighbour and that to play them in the BBL game so to, to take some of the minutes out of it? Yeah, it is, but you know, maybe they're a little bit more focused this year because they, 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 they threw away three league games last year. They shouldn't have, and they lost the league as a result. Yeah. So maybe maybe they're seeing more traps around every corner. Maybe they're really going for it. And I mean, that would be why you play Reese 36 minutes when you've got Robinson and Lockhart on the bench. You know, you, both of those guys can play BBL, can play together, but you want Reese in the game. And they never got out to more than 15 either. True, true. Um, so to That's, a coach, it looks very different to what it looks like to us. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It didn't. It wouldn't have looked as comfortable to Vince as it did to me on my sofa. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so let's go to uh, Sunday's games. Uh, Glasgow Rocks, uh, one oh seven. Plymouth City Patriots, ninety six. And uh, Rocks coming out hitting threes early on. Bunyan, Hillsman, Green. Um, and they get out to 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 an eighteen twelve um, start. And you yeah, mentioned it, Johnson earlier. Yeah, Johnson wasn't playing. Yeah, um, I mean two things on this. We know how likely you are to 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 lose away from home when you give up more than ninety five points. If you're not playing in Surrey, the chances of winning are four percent. I think in the last two years, if you're not playing in Surrey and you give up ninety five points away from home, you have a four percent chance of winning one in twenty five. So there, thereby goes the story. Um, yeah, um, Plymouth playing without Dusha and Ubiaru um, with Josephs and Graham Bell in. Um, and they've literally changed their whole, not, they haven't changed, nothing's been changed for them, but as a group, um, they've changed entirely as a result of those additions and those subtractions because they've gone from being um, what was a defensive scrappy team who couldn't score enough um, to an offensive um, aggressive score team with, with those guys getting plenty of shots but their defense just absolutely just 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 was appalling um, and um, because of that you know they, they could score in this game Joe, I thought Joe Hart played great in this game because he actually played both ends and, and he's made shots in the first three quarters when no one else could, but he was also getting, he was also back in defending. But Carpenter defended relatively well. Um, Kingsley looks, Kingsley is struggling. He doesn't look like he's healthy to me. Or if he is healthy, that's a problem because at the end of the game, he pulled up with a with a foot injury. Um, Kofi and Raul, uh, um, Kofi in this game was off. Just as much as he was on the last week, I know he ended with 27 points, but he was so far off. What was concerning to me was that when he was off, he was missing, he was hanging his head, he was getting back late. Um, I didn't see much um, commitment to defence. Raul Graham is still working his way into shape, and that's being polite because he, I remember five or six years ago at Leeds and he was above the rim every single play, and he's not there at the moment. Um, and I thought it's really had an impact on the defence. Um, and that can happen sometimes because guys get used to playing with each other, and they're on a string together defensively and they're kind of fighting for each other. And then you guys come in, you guys are taking most of the shots. The whole, the whole the infrastructure changes. That said, um, Glasgow are playing without Johnson and Murray. And that's a good chance to beat Glasgow. Mm. You know, it's your best chance to beat Glasgow without Johnson and Murray. 
And I think if they'd managed to get some form of defence together in that game, they might have had a shot at it. But um, as you say, game went on, both teams scoring almost at will first half. It wasn't so much anybody was getting stops, it was that um, teams were missing. Yeah. And um, I think if you fast forward it to about the middle of the third quarter, that's when it really kicked into... Um, yeah, let's do that then. It was 50-44 at halftime and then um, it continued to sort of bounce around that. And then uh, Bunyan and, and Malcolm made uh, some threes and that was when the Rocks went out to a 13 point. Well, what happened was, what happened was towards the end of the third quarter, PJ became fed up with Plymouth's defence. You know, he, he became fed up with it and he put them in the zone. And I think it was, you know, and, and the zone is a go to, is, is generally a go to when what you're doing to start with isn't working. It can be a it can be a plan kind of wrinkle, but generally not at the end of the third quarter when a team scored seventy five points. <laughs> you know, at that point, at that point, your zone is because man, we're not we're not guarding anybody. Let's see if we can guard space. Um, and you went to the zone, and they got two good possessions out of the zone, and then they uh, utterly forgot that when a little gingerhead fella catches the basketball 25 feet from the basket, you need to not only just be standing in a zone, because Johnny Bunyan, I guarantee, grew up playing against two, three zones. Mm, yeah. I guarantee, I guarantee it, right? Yeah. You know, playing against two, three zones and catching and, and shooting it from three feet behind the line. But that you, when he has the basketball in his hands, you have to slant your zone to him, whereby he ain't the one shooting it. Because mm. Gareth Murray's not on the court. So the only other guy you really don't want shooting is probably Fraser off a zone. It's probably Fraser Malkin, but he's hot and, hot and cold. So you could probably live with him beating you. Green wasn't in the game at that point. Green's a shooter. So then you've got kind of Hillsman and Harris and Jack Domi in the game. Well, they can all shoot, but and they, they, they tend to make the ones where their feet are set, where everything's right about them and they knock it down. They're not the, the, the people who make shots, they're not what I'd call shot makers, which sounds absolute nonsense to anybody who doesn't understand. Um, but I think those of us who do understand, you know, you're not, yeah, they, they're, they're players who will make shots, but they're not guys who will go out and uh, shot me. Johnny Bunyan's a shot maker, he will just knock it down. And for him to catch the ball in the same spot on four consecutive, I think it was four consecutive possessions or something but similar. You're into the fourth quarter now because right. if you've got it back to three, 77. Right. 74 and then it wasn't quite four consecutive uh possessions but it felt like it it felt like it, it, it did and the death thing was Plymouth were close at this time Plymouth you know and, and Glasgow must have been getting a bit itchy um because they were only up by three it's a game that they have to win and they haven't got Jordan Johnson to bail them out and Harris played great in this game by the way and he absolutely you know destroyed um Kofi on the other end and got to the rim got dunks he went down went coast to coast in the first half and um, my eyes popped out when he went, you know, he was, that was a serious um, coast-to-coast dunk. Um, I, I but, did almost tweet Achara just to say that knee looks a real, real issue there for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's trying, but it's interesting because he stepped up when Johnson wasn't playing. And that's always something you like to see, you know, who's going to be the guy who steps up and takes the takes kind of responsibility and says it's my time to shine. And it was him. And I thought that was really, really helpful for Glasgow. Um, but you can't not guard Johnny Bunyan on that spot on the right-hand side of the floor at the top of the zone four times. Mm. You know, in the fourth, I think the third one, PJ tried to get a timeout because he was so frustrated. Yeah, yeah. And the fourth, you know, it's like you can zone them, but you have to slant your zone to the shooters. You know, the whole point of a zone is that someone at some point is going to be unguarded, but it has to be the person you want to be unguarded. Yeah. 
there's a reason that you're on guard. Now, if you're a you know, high-quality team, you don't have you don't have anybody on the court who the opposition want to be unguarded, which is probably when it's not a very good idea to play a zone. Um, but they did, and in um, that those kind of bunion silos took it out to how it says took it out oh. to like 14 point 13 point sure. game. Ninety-one, ninety-one, seventy-nine, and then Kofi made a couple of threes to, to to cut it to six, but they didn't get any closer than that. Um, no. Johnny Johnny finished with twenty-four points. He was six of seven from three-point range. Oh God, it kills me. <laughs> Good job, Johnny, but I'm sorry, guys. You know, Connor Washington, Johnny Bunyan, they kill me every week. They just they just keep doing what they do. Um, good win for Glasgow without Johnson because you know Bunyan plays the point and demonstrates he can go off at 25. That's really helpful to them. Plymouth, as I say, they've got more scoring. They have to get that grit back. And you know, whether it'll be De whether it's Denzel's athleticism defensively, if he's out for a while, that's gonna be a problem. LVC's control, whatever, but they gotta find they can't be giving up 107 points to a Glasgow team without um Jordan Johnson and um, Gareth Murray, you know, that's you know, you got no shot of winning, just none, none. Only 26 points for Kofi Joseph's, uh, yeah, season. but there was a lot of them in the fourth quarter, yeah. and a lot of them when the game was done. You know, I, th I think as good as he was on Wednesday, I thought as disappointing as he was today, I'll be honest. He made some shots at the end, he was six or 12 from three, but 12, yeah. early on, you know, it wasn't that he missed shots, it was that he. he he got. He seemed to get into his own head. He was hanging his head. He was holding. He was. I think he was. Running. It was like the third or fourth shot of the game, and he'd, he'd missed them all. And there was one where he just sort of slapped the ground. And yeah, just so you've got to get back. And that's the thing with Kofi. You know, I mean, he, he is potentially the, the most talented scorer in the league. One off in relation to his ability to score the basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's on a team who need him to score the basketball. So yeah, he, yeah. Perfect so fit. he should lead the league in scoring this year. It's a perfect fit, yeah, but. Yeah. As I say, you know, how the, the biggest, the bigger thing is how is that going to translate into wins? How are they going to come to a kind of a, a not an agreement, but how are they going to come to a settlement between themselves on the team as to who does what job? Because they're, they're basically a new team now with Kofi Joseph and Raul Graham and without LVC Dushan Denzel Lugar, it's just a new team. So, it, and they're still figuring things through. They've got the, they've got more talent now. How are they going to use it? So, good job. Good luck, PJ. Joe Hart, five of eight, by the way, for, for 25. I thought Joe was excellent in the whole game. I mean, of course, he's playing against his old team. He played at Glasgow. So, you so know, was Kofi. Kofi. So was Kofi, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't coming off 46, though, was he? No, no, he wasn't. No. Uh, right, let's move on to the last game of the day. Cheshire Phoenix, 86, Sheffield Sharks, 67. Um, so, Dixon, again, in the starting uh, lineup uh, for... Cheshire and um, uh, name on right Teddy Okirafo got them off to to a good start and they were they were nine points up and you given they were uh, going into this game zero and four five um, five oh and five sorry yes uh, and and uh, that can get into your psyche so in some ways it it was important for them to get off to a good start good crowd in there once again. Making loads of noises you love, and 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 actually that gets them up and gets it going, and you know definitely. And on top of that, it was it was, a, it was an awful trap game for Sheffield because yeah. Cheshire have been battled. They, they've been battling the last week, two weeks. And um, Sheffield haven't played. I don't think they played last weekend. I might be wrong, um, but maybe they played against London and they got beaten in the cup. But that was they maybe did, last yeah. Friday night. So uh, yes, yeah. no, it was Saturday. It was your birthday. Uh, 
Oh, indeed it was. So they did play the play, the play that game. Well, in that case, they probably should have come. They've had eight days to think about it, but um, they never really got into a rhythm in that game. Uh, and Cheshire, in the meantime, had been battling Leicester, and Cheshire at 0-5, and therefore Cheshire are under a lot of pressure. Because when you get to 0-5, 0-6, 7 that's when jobs are on the line. Mm. You know, it, it's a horrendously harsh world. Um, and, you know, Cheshire are an upwardly mobile organisation who are not expecting to be 0-6 or 0-7. Mm. So when that happens, you know, they've already brought in one new guy. Um then um, and they're, they're kind of carrying nine players, nine or ten players um, at the moment. So there's a lot of pressure on those guys, um, and level a lot. And pressure can often um, equate to motivation. You know, I think that's what happened in this game. I thought they came out um, connected. I thought they came out um, offensively aggressive, but defensively a lot more aggressive than they were against Leicester. Um, and Sheffield, a little bit systematic, um, but Sheffield weren't really ready for that. They, you know, Kipper Nichols struggled early. Kipper Nichols. They, and they really struggled to score Sheffield. In, in, in they have this. They have this kind. They have these drafts. They do have these droughts, and they always have. Um, certainly, I say always. Have, that's probably that's a, that's a ridiculous overstatement. Sorry, they have uh, this year. Oh, in 1994, um, they won the league with the lowest scoring team in the league. I remember that team, yeah. Ditchwater. So, so we, um, <laughs> we say, oh, <laughs> Chris and God, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, could, could, yeah, I, I absolutely remember, admire, and um, I'm still bored by that team. Um, I think it was the last two American season, wasn't it? And it was Finch and Cawthorn, and it brought yeah, it in was, two yeah. Finch and Cawthorn. They were two of the they best. Roger Huggins inside. Roger Huggins in the post, yeah. And Finch and Cawthorn were two of the best white collar, kind of um, hard working, systematic players. Jimmy Brandon had them all playing defense. Yeah, just, yeah and, and they, they, they were the bomb they squad. They had the bomb squad. They shut every, and, and they just shut everybody down, and then um, they shut everybody down, and then made no threes to beat you. You know, and just pick you apart. Um, so anyway, anyway twenty twenty one version Sheffield. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, probably a little bit concerned. I'm guessing now. Um, it's the third. You know, they won that game at Manchester, but they should have lost it. Um, and which Glasgow won the last second. Then two kind of heavy defeats away from home. Then they're at Newcastle on Friday night on on Sky. So kind of a bounce back game for them on Friday night coming. Um, why I'm not sure. Um. Interesting in this game, Atiba started Rodney Glasgow in the second half with Anderson, um, which is the first time he's done that, because I think that gives him a little bit more offensive creativity, a little bit more scoring. Um, Williams is hit and miss, we've talked about before, and <laughs> kind of it all comes down to, to Kipper Nichols. You know, I hate to say it, he really is. You look at, you know what you're going to get from Cook, you know what you're going to get from Del Pesh, you've got an idea what you're going to get from Mike Tuck. Um, Williams a little bit hit and miss, but he's going to score eventually. Retino's going to knock down some shots, but he didn't, didn't in this game. And, and Anderson's going to set the table. So the two kind of um, X factors are Glasgow and um, Nichols. Um, Glasgow started very well, made some plays for them in this game as well to try and get them around the break at the same break. But um, Nichols really didn't. And um, you know they, they become an incredibly more a far more difficult team to play against when he's scoring the basketball said before say it again um so I, I don't know it the other thing is that when they're in these games like like the one at london and like the one they played tonight they don't get out in transition much 
You know, they don't get many steals. You know, they don't push the ball that much in transition. Um, and that in the BBL is crucial. You know, when Sheffield play well, it's when they, they score in the ball in transition and they're getting steals and, and they can get out. And, and they, they've got guys who can score. Rutina can score. Anson get up the court. All of those guys. Joe uh, Mizzoulo can get up the court. Um, but they didn't tonight. And they got trapped into a half-court game and Cheshire just executed better. I didn't watch the fourth quarter, to be honest. 21-point game. Yeah, it was one of those things where um, they did have a little run in the second quarter, 14-3 to cut it to eight, but then Mockford and Carey hit some threes. And really, after that, nothing much happened. Well, I mean, it it took them ages to make a three, didn't it? And that's the other thing. If you're on the road and you're not making shots, it's hard in this league um, to to, to kind of eke out a win. Um, And I think it took them maybe two quarters or maybe three quarters before they actually made a three. I think Williams made a couple. Um, and Cheshire had no such problems because Cheshire, whatever we think of them, that at the moment they are working some stuff through. But if they get it figured out, they're going to have a lot of talent. Kyle Carey played seven minutes in this game, you know, and Kyle Carey's played well for them. And um, the new guy, we haven't talked about him yet, Larry Austin. Interesting, 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 interesting. Seeing two kind of glimmers of him. Um, he is not going to die wondering. Um, he is... Um, Someone who he reminds me a little bit of a guy at Sheffield a few years ago called Chris Alexander. Yeah, that, you know, and that he he is a threat anywhere he's got the basketball on the court. He is a threat to be under your rim scoring. Mm. You know, and we always used to say with Alexander, if he got the ball outlet to an offensive rebound or defensive rebound, he'd better see one of our guys under the rim because if he only saw one person in front of him, he was going. Yeah, I mean, he was going to score, and. Um, I think I think Austin might be exactly the same. I'm not quite sure what he. I think he's probably. I haven't seen him make a jump shot yet, so we'll have to see what what he's got in relation to that. Um, but he's a, at the moment. If they're going to use him as a sixth man, he's a, he's going to be a pretty important sixth man. So that could turn them around as well. Bradley didn't play again, so you know what's the the, the where does he fit in the pattern? If Dickerson is the main guy, I think Dickerson had like 14 rebounds in this game, and I think Cheshire destroyed Sheffield on the boards. Yeah, 14, um, 14 rebounds he had. I think Cheshire is something like 50 to 30 on the board, something like that. And I, at one point, I looked at the stats. Um, I think Sheffield had 15 or 16 defensive rebounds and Cheshire had 15 offensive rebounds. Well, that's not going to get it done on the road. You know, if you're not making shots... and you're not going to get rebound, it done anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, if you're not going to get it done anywhere, but if you're not making shots as well yeah, and you're giving up second shots, that's just a recipe for... Um, well, I always, I always think, I always think offensive rebounds is a bit of a misleading stat because people always go, "Oh, look how well they did on the offensive rebounds," which means you missed a lot of shots. It does, but but if, but if you've got fifty percent of the rebounds, that's right. those missed shots, then you, you always have to compare. It, you always have to compare it against defensive rebounds yeah, for the other yeah, team, yeah, always, yeah. and that's that's the thing. And, yeah, um, if you're giving yourself that opportunity, so it's, I mean, it's 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 kind of a kickstart for Cheshire. It's obviously what they needed. They couldn't afford to, to be going any further, I don't think, at this point, because then you you don't want to have your season horizons defined in the first four weeks. No, no. When you get 0-5 or 0-6, there's a real risk that that's happened in your season horizon. Is, oh, maybe we can eighth. finish sixth, yeah. seventh or eighth. And at that point, how do you motivate your players? Because you've got to keep your players going for a reason, because the, 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 the coaching group and the um, the organisation might think they can finish there, but the players are thinking, really? 
you know, you know, you want to be there for, you want to be aiming something higher than that. Um, so it's an important win. So they still got time to turn it around, but that time was running out um, in the short term. In relation to Sheffield, well, we're still waiting, aren't we? Really, um, we're still waiting to see which is the real Sheffield. Yeah, we saw them blow Manchester out, yeah, um, and we've seen them lose a couple of games. Um, I, I imagine we'll get a good game on Friday night. I'd expect a close game on Friday night for the telly because, to Absolutely. be honest, you haven't, been doing, you haven't been doing much of a job of that so far, have you? No, no, no. Yeah. Um, Neymar right, 21 points and nine rebounds. Teddy had 12 and six. They had quite a few guys in, in double figures. Top scorer for Sheffield was 11. Uh, Anderson and Nichols both had 11. Um, I mean... Tough to win when the top scorer has eleven. Eleven, yeah. I mean, to be honest, that you know, your, your banter on the in the fourth quarter of these dead games is quite entertaining at well, times. But it's helpful I think having might... that third voice for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I think it may wear thin after a while. You know, yeah, we need yeah, a close yeah. game. Yeah, we do. We, we do. do. So, um, it, it, it's interesting because I don't normally look at the league table. Yeah. Uh, this early on, I just printed it out now so I could just remind myself of the record. Uh, of everybody, only two teams undefeated: Leicester and London, two two and zero, oh. mm. um, and a, and a sort of like melee in between. Manchester have obviously played six games, so they're top of the table with four four wins. From yeah, them. really important that they have to fit that game in at Plymouth on a Wednesday, wasn't it? When yeah. they've already played five games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on the schedule. Yeah. Don't ever get me started on it. It's a show in itself. So. Uh, it, I think there's still a lot of questions, aren't there? When you look at you look at yeah. the, at the we don't know we don't know the real Sheffield. No, we don't know the real Newcastle. Um, we have an idea where Leicester and London are going to be, and yeah. there's nothing we've seen yet which changes that. Albeit Leicester needs health, and London need need to to survive their schedule. Yeah. The two things. Um, Glasgow again haven't quite. Glasgow, Glasgow, I just wonder away from away from home how, how good are they going to be because that will be their that to me will be their I think they'll win a lot of games up there that will be their de yeah and also John Johnson you know how healthy he be you know yeah, yeah. you know winning games against Plymouth at home different going on the road against good teams without him um, so that that's that, that's a, that's an interesting thing but they have the they have the ability to be up there and beating beating the top teams. Um, well, so we got Cheshire. We've just talked about Sheffield. Bristol. We're not sure about Bristol. Um, Bristol maybe being squeezed just by the quality of the league, mm. the quality of the teams. Because um, doesn't matter how good you are, eventually you've got to kind of start beating teams who are better than you, who are, who are perceived as being better than you, to be better than them. Mm. Um, I think that probably. I'm looking at them. They may be one guy short. Um, you got Josh Rogers. Raph Thomas Edwards um, playing a lot of minutes, and you've got their American centre backup centre Simmons probably playing fifteen minutes a game, um, and that's probably not optimal. You know, they're probably one more athlete short. Um, but the kind, it's kind of the, the the mode. The mode at the moment is to have two centres who kind of split the minutes at the yeah. at the five spot. It's never been that before. No. You know, in this league, always it would, it would always be that you would kind of go small. You'd play your centre, then you'd then you'd you'd promote a power forward for fifteen minutes a game, mm. and your centre would be normally be an American big normally, and he'd play twenty five to thirty minutes, and you would get that, and then you'd kind of find your way through the rest. Yeah. yeah, fill in. That's the kind of change that with with their lineups over the past two or three years, um, and some of the other teams have, have followed. 
Um, I'm not overly convinced by it. Your players have to be, if you've got the best two centres in the league, it's great. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't, it's not quite so good and you might be better off. I think also of, in Leicester's case, you've got two very different centres as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think that complements. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Bristol will see again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down on them, but I think they need to maintain their style. They need to play fast, need to play aggressive and they might need a, Jacob probably to step up as a wing scorer. They're probably going to need a wing scorer because you're not going to get consistent wing scoring from Rogers, who's basically playing the stretch four, or from Thomas Edwards, who's capable of scoring, but he's a defensive stopper and he's shooting 35%. So they need a little bit more from the wing to, to avoid um, Evans having to chuck up a lot of shots and dribble around a lot. Um, sorry. Need to get in front in a game. Need to actually, yeah. Need to. Sorry, you know, the, I think it's the first time. Sorry, get in front in the game. That should be it. You know, someone <laughs> should, someone should dig a hole in. Someone should kind of you know, be stood on top of the roof of the building uh, on a rainy day and just kind of batter a hole in the roof so the water cuts coming through the moment they get ahead. Just, just so, so we can stop there. But no, they, they need yeah. Um, they, they need to recalibrate their players. They need to get they need to get Davis back. They probably need another guy. They got some talented players. Hamrick yeah. and James are perfectly perfectly good BBL players. Kalen can Kalen is a guy you've got to be aware of. Um, Robertson is just big and can play enough to be in the BBL certainly. Uh, and tail is tail, you know. And Mclemore can make shots. They probably yeah. They're obviously without Davis, they're one guy short, possibly two guys short. Um, but it's like we said, we, we already got, we already nailed them, haven't we? You know, the, yeah. the team that everybody beats who's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and Plymouth. And Plymouth, we kind of touched on. Yeah, to absolutely. Now find uh, balance. They've got, the, they've, they had the defence, they have, they now have the scoring and they've now got to find the equilibrium somewhere in between. Yeah, I mean, the fun, the fun game, I'm looking forward to the last of London two legs. Yeah. I mean, I don't like two-legged games, but I actually think that that will actually help us kind of plot out the season a little bit when we see those two games. Um, just how they play against each other, how they defend each other, how the talent matches up. Um, in over 80 minutes, the best group will most likely win. It's not always the same over 40 minutes, but over 80 minutes, the best group will likely win. And, and, and the manner in which they win will be intriguing. We'll, we'll kind of point things ahead. Um, you know, London are the de facto favourites for everything they have to be. Um, in fact, probably, I was thinking about this and I was going back to the 2008-09 Everton Tigers team with Andre Smith and Midgley and those guys um, who had a lot of finance behind them as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Newcastle team that year actually beat them, but they beat them with, they beat them three out of four anyway. Yeah. Um, but they beat, that was Trey Moore. And, yeah. Fab Flanoy and Leonard Stewart, and they beat them with willpower as much as with talent. You know, it was more motivation and, and willpower. So I was kind of around the group at that time a little bit. And I think that's what's going to have to happen with London. I think if you just jog up and down with them and play with them and, and play at their level and play at their speed, I think their talent's going to win out if they stay healthy. So I think it's going to need, it's going to need a little bit of kind of almost FU mentality, kind of, you know, the, the kind of talking, you know, that's why I was in court, you know, seeing Mackenzie get up into the into, um Bacali and go there. That kind of that's encouraging because that's what it's going to need, I think, from Leicester or indeed from anybody else mm. to, to beat London. You're gonna to have to get under their skin because ultimately we all 
you know, like the idea of professional sport being idealistic and, you know, be shaking hands at the end yeah. and saying, well, well, jolly well played, old chap. Yeah. But when it comes to the, the highest point, there's animosity. There has to be animosity. And the league will be better if there is a little bit of animosity. The games will be better if there is a little bit of animosity. And we're not, yeah, that, we're not there yet because the games don't really matter yet. But those two will be the first two games that matter. And those teams are going to be seeing a lot of each other over the course of the season. They've already played each other twice, two more times in the Cup, three more times in the league, potentially in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of animus builds up. It'll be fun. Uh, and then, as I say, the other teams, we don't know who's going to come up the pack. We don't know where Newcastle are in relation to where they're going to, how good they're going to be with Peel and the full roster. Um, and Manchester, you know, are they going to be able to sustain what they've, they've started? And keeping everybody happy and keeping their young guys, they're not going to, are they going to fall in any trap games like they did at Sheffield, like they nearly did at Plymouth? Yeah. You know, that, that's a risk because they haven't got much BBL experience and it does matter. It certainly does. Well, I will probably see you next Friday, Dave. But, uh, oh, yeah. I may, I, may, I may have a word, yeah. <laughs> I may have a word pop along. Um, Everybody else, I'm sure we will see or will see us, maybe, is the right yeah. way of putting it, next Sunday, because I think not, we should wrap it up here. You're not coming up on Thursday for the, the GB game? I, I'm not, actually. I'm doing your league on Thursday. Uh, it's far too important for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, two games in two days. It's, um, I just... did four in four last uh, two weeks ago, so, yeah, got to keep yeah. busy. Oh, keep well, busy. No, I did call you a legend on commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, was it? I thought, dear me, that is some some desperate, desperate bootlegging. I think you got legend status as well. Yeah, but only after, only after he, <laughs> he realised he called you it, and then kind of gave me it as an add-on. I'll, I'll, I'll take that up with him separately. You know, but we need to get our billing sorted out. Um, Hoops but, and hockey on YouTube, people. Go and give it a YouTube. follow and a like and a share on all of the things that people say at the end. Of the Dan day. says it. It must be true. Good job, guys. Right, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there and we will see you all next Sunday for now. Goodbye. <laughs>